Hey, what's going on? Welcome to the People's Show. I am Bick Nazar, full house behind the glass as well. We got Dom, we got Elon, we got our guy Victor, our new intern from BCIT. Join us here. If you want to chime in, you can always uh, do so. 650-650 in the Dunbar Lumber text message inbox. Visit Dunbar Lumber on Bridge Street in Ladner or Arbutus in Vancouver online at DunbarLumber.com. We're coming to you live from the Kintech studio. Kintech Footwear and Orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, supported by over 1,500 five-star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at Kintech.net. It's Monday. We've got Brendan Batchelor coming up in about uh, 10 minutes or so, a little bit less than that at 310. Uh, people's picks later on in the show. No Monday Night Football. But we still got some football on tonight. Uh, the Natty National Championship getting ready to kick off at 4.30. Uh, TCU, the Horned Frogs, and the Georgia Bulldogs. I love college football team names that kind of resemble uh, like lower division soccer. I can't hear you, Dom. Feel free to just join the show, Dom. He's, he's, he's trying to just talk to me, but yeah, it's not working. What's up, Dom? Oh, he can't do it now. He can't do it now. He got shy. He got shy. Don't worry about it, Tom. He's just trying to wave his arms and talk to me, but the uh, mic's not potted up. All right. Uh, so, yeah, we got the Horned Frogs versus the Bulldogs later today. So we'll have a natty pick for you in the back oh, half there of the we show. Go. What's up, uh, Minor Dom? League Baseball is what I was going to say. Yeah, Minor League Baseball. That's probably the better reference. Absolutely. Uh, all right. Uh, a lot to get into today, uh, but we saw yesterday as well. Uh, the Vancouver Canucks with a 7-4 loss. And they crossed the threshold yesterday. I was looking at it today. Because, uh, you know, one thing that's become plainly obvious is Canucks games are always entertaining. I know they can be frustrating for Canucks fans, but there's a lot of goals in Canucks games. After last night, when you consider total goals in a game, which if you are a uh, better, you're always looking for the uh, the total, the over-under, but total goals, the Vancouver Canucks have now been involved in the most total goals across the league. 284 goals after last night. That leads the league. They passed the LA Kings at 283, uh, but the Kings have also played four more games for the Vancouver Canucks. And that's what this team is right now. They are entertaining, and they'd rather be entertaining than win. They're more concerned with entertaining then winning for you, the customer, the fan. You look at it right now, we, we've sat here and he said, hey, they can score goals. And it's true. They absolutely can score goals, 3.4 goals per game. But you look at it, scoring is up across the league right now. So are you exceptional at scoring goals given the context of what this season is? And that 3.4 goals per game, it's pretty much tied for eighth, tied for ninth, and around that, 8 and 10. It's not exceptional. It's very good. It's not exceptional. Buffalo Sabres are averaging four goals a game. That tops the league right now. Boston Bruins, 3.9. By the way, they're also the best in uh, goals against per game. That's exceptional. Given the context of this league, Seattle Kraken scoring more than the Vancouver Canucks. Dallas Stars. Remember last year? Everyone hated them. They were so boring. Yes, they were playing very shell defensive hockey. But suddenly, they've been thrust into uh, 3.5 goals per game, which is more than the Vancouver Canucks. Those teams are all, most of those teams are all having success, too. Oilers are up there. Lightning are up there. Maple Leafs are up there. 
So, yes, they're scoring goals, but it's not winning hockey. And if you, even if you go by goals per game, total, it's the Sabres who are leading the way. And, again, as I mentioned, it's because the Sabres are completely filling the net, four goals per game. They have 7.4 total goals per game. Canucks sitting at 7.3 total goals per game. It's a couple of games away from passing them, and they cannot stop anything, prevent anything from going into their own net. Last night, the goalies took a lot of the blame, and I think part of it is just the fatigue of seeing so many goals against. But mostly, this is, continues to be a defensive problem. And this is underscores the importance of what these next six months have to be for Jim Rutherford and Patrick Alvine. Obviously, we've talked about the Horvat trade. Not going to really dive into that even some more right now. Frank Saravelli will be joining Canuck Central later on today with Dan Riccio and Satyar Shaw, NHL insider from Daily Faceoff. So they'll dig into that. And uh, Frank was actually writing about Paul Horvat today over at Daily Faceoff. Uh, so you can go check that out and listen to Canuck Central later on today, uh, live at 4 o'clock. And also on the podcast, subscribe to our pod as well, The People Show, Halford and Bruff, Canucks Talk, PDO Cast. Always appreciate your support. Uh, 650-650. Jordan from Saskatoon. Where is this management team? They're going to do the same thing to Boudreaux that they did to to Green. They're just hanging out this poor guy to dry. I get he's not their guy, but come on, treat him like a human being. It's lack of communication, direction, confusion. It's brutal. Yet it's only been a year. Give it time, maybe, I don't know, but this stinks of betting 2.0. This team is killing me right now. It's Jordan from Saskatoon. Texting in 650-650. All right. That that also needs to be solved at some point. And, you know, we've talked about that, too, coming into the season. Was it he, – he's obviously not their guy. And I've talked about, you know, maybe they're playing this out to not play their hand. It's a bit of a politics here, but they've openly discussed not wanting to pay three head coaches. And so it's a problem that get, does get created, Jordan. Uh, by choosing this path, it's the harder path, don't get me wrong, it's willing to take in your emotion and willing to risk that and saying, hey, we're going to have to deal with some short-term negativity here. Negativity, is that the plan that they are talking about? Uh, Rager texting in, hey, Bick, what is the talk going around with the Canucks players being accused of stat chasing? Honestly, that's what it looks like at this stage. We keep having unserious defensive performances last night. And again, I mentioned people were blaming the goaltending. Some of the fatigue, I think, of seeing constant six goals, seven goals, five goals, constantly being on the opponent's side of the ledger. And at some point, you just flip and say, you know what? This is a goalie issue. And look, Colin Delia, Spencer Martin, doing the best they can. Two players making less than a million dollars. It's $1.5 million total. You're, getting, you're paying less than league average, and your return on investment right now, as far as save percentage, is less than league average. It's struggling. But it's also the situation you're paying for. Now, Spencer Martin, three weeks ago, was everyone's darling because, hey, he'd gotten a lot of points, and he is getting points. And baseline, when Spencer Martin has been in, they've gotten more points than they should have. So... End of the day, we can talk about, hey, they're not living up to a certain standard. Standard is points, and Spencer Martin has delivered that. 11-7-2 over this season. The issue, I guess it's 11-8-2. He's the goalie on record last night. 
The issue to me continues to be the defense, and, and that's why these next six months are so pivotal that they have to get this right as far as finding a new standard for what their defense looks like, not just the blue line, but overall defensive performance, because this is tiresome for long stretches here. And we'll talk to Brendan Batchelor, who uh, watches this team as much as anyone. Voice of the Canucks here on Sportsnet 650. You'll join us here in just a second. But fixing the defensive woes to me is uh, the biggest issue that this team has. And I've talked about it. I've been the defense guy here on 650. You need to have a foundation for what your team is. It doesn't need to be your overall identity. I do believe that this team in this city does need to provide an entertaining product, and that does meet offense. But to to build your foundation strictly out of offense is difficult because the foundation in your defensive zone will crack, and at some point it's too tough to constantly try to put up five goals. Uh, let's join uh, Brendan Batchelor now, uh, who joins us at Batch Hockey on Twitter if you're not o- already following. Uh, Batch, how are you? I'm good. Uh, I won the Sportsnet 650 Fantasy Football oh, wow. League this year. So you, you wasted I'm, no I'm riding time. Riding high, doing well. That that has been over for like over ten days, and you just wanted to fix. Fit that in. Well, I mean, I haven't been on your show since uh, I beat you in the semifinal. So, you know, that was one of the biggest accomplishments of my entire life, beating you at fantasy football. So I had to get it in. That's fair. That's fair. I guess, yeah, you haven't been on uh, since then. So, yes, all right. I'll give you your moment of glory. Uh, well done. Well done. Congrats. <laughs> Do you get anything for that? Because I feel like we had no stakes on that. No, we had no stakes. I just get bragging rights. So I was telling Dom that I, like, I think you need to introduce me as the winner of the fantasy football league for at least a month or something like that. But okay, other yeah, than that, okay. no, I haven't won anything. You know what? Hang on. Let's, let's pause this. Uh, all right. Joining us now here on the people show, uh, Brendan Batchelor, you hear him on Sportsnet 650, but more importantly, the winner of the Sportsnet 650 fantasy football pool. Batch, how was that? Uh, uh, it was wonderful. Thank all you right. very much. Uh, that's, all right. That's better than any money I could have won if we <laughs> actually put money down. Fair enough. Uh, all right. This is a tough reality right now for the Vancouver Canucks. Uh, and look, I, I'm sympathetic because it's tough with the, the amount of instability uh, surrounding key members of the organization, coaching staff, captain, and all that sort of stuff. But still, we constantly see six goals against, five goals against, seven last night against the Winnipeg Jets in a place that has been a house of horrors. Absolutely. But, you know, I started the show just talking about they're more concerned with being entertaining than winning. We're, we're a game removed from them talking about, hey, these are the habits we want to exhibit. And then the next day, those habits do not carry over to start the road trip. No. And, I mean, did we really expect them to based on the way this team has played this year? And, you know, that's not me trying to be overly negative, but it's just the reality that, They haven't been able to string wins together. They haven't been able to string consistent performances together very often. You know, I think back to the games on the road in Vegas and Colorado, and I think they won three in a row around that time. But that's about all you can hang your hat on in terms of this team getting on a roll, which, of course, with where they sit in the standings and the goal that they set for themselves coming into the year, which was to make the playoffs, is something that they need to do. But... They just don't seem to be capable of it. They're too permissive defensively. They give up too many grade-A chances. And in a league where scoring is through the roof this year, if you can't defend and you can't hold other teams to fewer than five goals on a lot of nights, I think, you know, I heard the stat earlier today, it's, what, 17 
games that they've given up five goals now this year and they're you know through 39 games now i believe so that's just not good enough when you're averaging 3.9 goals against per game you're not going to win in a league that we often sort of tongue-in-cheek call a 3-2 league but you know there's a reason that we call it that is because oftentimes if you could score three goals you're probably going to win although the canucks at times seem to be the exception to that rule you know, what's bizarre, too, is, and look, it's the constant chase for consistency that this team has, has battled, is even, like, some players outside of really Bo Horvat, like, don't even have hot streaks. Like, Tyler Myers is a game removed from having a, a strong game against Colorado, you know, repelling Nathan McKinnon constantly, and you think, okay, is there an opportunity for you to go on a bit of a run of sustained form? doesn't have to fill the box score, but just showcase that you're a qualified, constant defensive threat and a day later or a game later it unravels yeah and i mean you know tyler myers is a more experienced veteran nhl or so maybe this doesn't apply to him as directly as it does to some others but bruce boudreau always talks about the difference between a guy they call up from the ahl and a guy that could stick at the nhl level is consistency so you know, you'll call a guy up for the AHL or you'll bring a guy into the lineup when he's been a healthy scratch and he'll be really good the first couple of games because he's excited about the opportunity and then his game kind of drops off and it's an issue with consistency. But, you know, you can take that to all levels of hockey. The difference between being good and great, being, a, you know, a low-level junior player or a top-level junior player, being someone that plays in the AHL or plays in the NHL, being a low-level NHLer or an elite NHLer, it comes down to consistency, right? Like, the best players in the league are supremely talented. But let's be honest, everybody in the league is supremely talented. The difference with the guys that make the most money are that they do it on a Mm night-to-night basis. They are consistent. That's how you put up over 100 points or, you know, 120 points or whatever it is that McDavid and and those top-level players are able to put up. It's not because you score 30 of them in a five-game stretch or something like that. It's putting up points, finding a way to contribute and play the right way every single night. And the Canucks have too many players on their roster that don't do that. Now, you know, whether whether that is self-inflicted to a certain extent, you know, whether – there are guys on this team that could be a lot better and just aren't performing to that level this season. I think that would be an interesting conversation to have, and that's probably got to be part of the frustration for Bruce Boudreaux because this was a team that showed down the stretch that they could play some decent hockey, although I think it's becoming more and more apparent just how much Thatcher Demko papered over some of their defensive issues with the way he played down the stretch last year. But in the end, the difference between a good player and a great player and the difference between an average team and a playoff team and a good team is how consistent you can be on a night-to-night basis. And let's be honest, in in terms of their team game, the only thing that's been consistent about the way the Canucks have played this year is that they've been inconsistent. And it's not even just top players across the league putting up points. Like, you know, someone I heralded here in this market was Tyler Mott because every time you put him over the boards, you kind of knew exactly what you were going to get, and there was effort there, and he was responsible. Look, the, the, the production wasn't always there, but you knew what you were going to get. And, and across this roster right now, I'm hard-pressed to see where it's constantly going to come. Now, I will say, uh, someone who's, you know, growing into the season, uh, 
Jackson Nika. Now, he picks up a goal yesterday, but again, back-to-back games, like a hustle play. Now, I thought he should have got the icing uh, call yesterday, but doesn't get it. Yeah. Uh, but again, someone who's trying to show something on the lower end of the roster, uh, what are you noticing in his game uh, in, in a short spell so far in Vancouver? Yeah, I think you know that, that he's a pretty good north-south kind of player, mm-hmm. and he has the speed to be able to play that way and be effective, where you know, if you're asking him to stop up and thread the needle on a rink-wide pass to a guy on the other side of the ice, that's not his skill set. But a guy that can get in on the forecheck quickly, that can cause defenders on the other team issues, that can help force turnovers, and you know what, can chip in with the odd goal here or there as well, is kind of the profile for Studdika. And, you know, obviously this management group in Vancouver gets a lot of criticism and is under fire for a number of things, and rightly so with the way this team has played. But one thing I think that we can give them credit for is targeting players that, you know, have worked out to a certain extent coming into the roster and some of the trades they've made, right? Whether it's Jack Studnika or Ethan Bear or maybe to a lesser degree Travis Dermott, who's been hurt uh, most of the season. So it's kind of hard to, to really tell, you know, what he's going to be long term for this group. But based on the way he played after the trade deadline last year and you know, the small sample size in a few games, I think Dermot at the very least raises the floor of that third pairing where they'd had Burroughs and Stillman rotating in and out prior to that. So, you know, I think they deserve credit for, for finding a guy like Studnika and for their um, talent assessment of pro-level players. You know, obviously we don't have a track record really for them in terms of drafting uh, because they haven't been in Vancouver long enough. But, um I think Studnika is a nice little find and one of those guys that if you look a few years down the road and you try to picture this team, you know, being an improved club, Travis Green used to always talk about trying to find out who the guys were on the roster that you would win with. So you're not a good team now. You're struggling. It's obvious you need to make changes. But who are the guys that might still be here when you make some of those changes and try to get back to being a good team? And I think, you know, based on the way he's played for the most part this year, I think it's clear that obviously as long as he's cast in a depth role and you're not expecting too much of him, that Jack Studnika could be one of those guys that could fit in down the lineup for them for years to come. Uh, I wanted to ask you about Elias Pettersson. Um, have you noticed some slippage in his game at all? And it's not that he's not winning his matchup. It just it feels like he's become a much more of a high-event player in the last three weeks to a month here. That, hey, look, you can have a great shift and engineer a, a fantastic goal for JT Miller, and it's flashy. But the overall you know shift-to-shift effectiveness of Elias Pettersson, it just feels like he's become really high-event. And I look at the play of the first goal of the game, like that that doesn't usually the type of play that usually happens with Elias Pettersson on the ice. Yeah, I mean I I feel for him because with the way this roster is going right now, there's so much on his shoulders. Yeah. Um as really when you look at that forward group, it's him and Bo Horvat in terms of guy that guys that have been consistent in terms of their production on a night-to-night basis. And, you know, JT Miller to a lesser extent, but even he has had hot and cold stretches to this point in the year. And, you know, it's a long 82-game season, right? We're not even at the halfway mark of it yet. And it's been a slog for this group. And I'm sure that Elias Pettersson is feeling some of that. You know, you look at the the clip that kind of gained traction online yesterday of him throwing the stick or, or, you know, looking frustrated sitting down on the bench 
after a, a shift where he had created a few chances and hadn't been able to score. And, you know, I, I can understand a guy that is pulling pretty hard on the rope here, getting frustrated that things continue to go against the group. And, you know, that for the most part, in terms of consistent production, he's one of the few guys that are bringing it on a night-to-night basis. So, I mean, over a long season, you're going to see slippage in a player's game, whether it's in terms of production or or two-way effectiveness. But I'm not worried about Pedersen long-term, and I'm sure that he'll get back to being the kind of player that we've seen him be on a night-in, night-out basis where, you know, some of those things that you're alluding to don't happen as frequently, but, you know, it must be tough on that roster right now. And, you know, I think we can tell from the body language, not just of Pedersen, but from some of the other players and the way some of these games have gone against them, that, you know, it's it's starting to get incredibly frustrating for them. And, uh, you know, I'm sure people in the fan base can relate because it seems like everybody's incredibly frustrated with where this team is right now. Uh, was, was some of the criticism last night uh, of the goaltending fair or unfair to you? And look, it's seven goals on 27 shots. You got to try to be better. I understand that. But, we you know, we, we're sitting here talking about the overall environment they play in. Uh, was last night fair or unfair? Unfair. Like, I don't know what you're supposed to expect out of Spencer Martin and Colin Delia, right? Like they, they don't even have what? I think they may not even have 70 combined NHL games mm-hmm. to their name. Spencer Martin, this is his first year as an NHL backup. He's already had to play way more games than anybody would have expected of him to this point in the season because of Demko's injury. Delia was brought in as an insurance policy in Abbotsford and has had to come up and play a handful of games here. And for the most part, has been pretty good. But, you know, you're, you're not just throwing these guys. You know, I heard Randy talking with you guys on the postgame show yesterday, and I agree with what he said completely. Like, you're not just throwing these guys into the deep end. You're throwing them into the open ocean as guys that haven't played much at the NHL level in terms of how poor this team is defensively. And, you know, I, I understand in particular Delia was, was catching a lot of heat for the Ehlers goal, mm-hmm. which, yes, he was too deep in his net. You know, he's got to be out challenging a little bit more aggressively, you'd have to think, and you don't want to see that one go through him. I'm sure it's one he wants back. But Oliver ekman Larson and Tyler Myers are both standing on the opposite side of the net from Nikolai Ehlers, watching as he skates behind the goal, wide open to the far circle, and wires the puck into the top shelf. So I don't know what more you can expect of these guys. They're not going to come to the rescue like Thatcher Demko did last year. I, they're just not of that caliber. And it's not to say that they couldn't be or that they you know, can't have strong games. Spencer Martin has given the Canucks a chance to win on a lot of nights when he's been in the crease. And you know, prior to last night, Delia's performances had all been pretty solid. But, uh, you know, if, if you're coming out of that game yesterday saying, man, their goaltending needed to be better, I think we're watching two different hockey teams because it's, it's so, so difficult for those guys with the way the team defends in front of them, the amount of times they turn over pucks, the amount of times D-men pinch badly and give up odd man rushes, um, you know, how poor the penalty kill is, right? We could go on. Um, so it's, it's not reasonable to expect those guys to bail you out in a scenario where the defense isn't even bailing itself out. Uh, I ask you this every time, and uh, you gave me the same prediction every time, uh, but let's do it again because I think this time it might be true. Uh, Man United-Charlton tomorrow. What's your prediction? Uh, well, 
I think I kept saying that it would be like 4-0 and yes. Ronaldo would get a hat-trick, but Ronaldo's not here anymore. So 4-0 and a Marcus Rashford hat-trick because <laughs> he is on fire lately. Have you got a uh, scouting report on Woot Weghorst for me? Apparently the, uh, the next transfer in for Man United. Yeah, I know. I need to do some reading and watch some tape and, and find out uh, exactly what they're getting here. But you know what? They need a striker, so... Uh, in, in Eric Ten Hag, we trust exactly uh, Bick, because, as you know, and so do I, bald is best. <laughs> it's a big year for the uh, bald crew in 2023, man. Absolutely, this is our year, man. Here we go. All right, Patch. Thanks a lot, man. Talk soon. Yep. Have a good one. Thank you. Our guy, Patch Hockey, on Twitter, and also the 2022 Sportsnet 650 Fantasy Football Champion. Apparently, i got to work that in for the next month. Dom's giving me the thumbs up. All right. Uh, back with more on the other side. Uh, the people's picks also. NFL season. It's over. Uh, a little review on what we kind of got right and what we got wrong. And also, uh, Aaron Rodgers. Does it look like he's done in Green Bay? Uh, plus, the Seahawks going to the playoffs. Miraculous. Trade Russell Wilson and still go to the playoffs. Love to see it. Uh, back with more here on the People Show. Home of the Canucks. Sportsnet 650. Welcome back to the People Show, coming to you live from the Kintec studio. Half hour to go till Canucks Central. They got you the rest of the evening. Frank Saravelli will be joining them, as he does every Monday. Don Taylor as well. Uh, NHL insider Frank Saravelli was writing about Bo Horvat today over at Daily Faceoff, uh, so they'll get into that with Satin Dan uh, coming up in about a half hour. Till then, uh, we got the people's picks coming up in just a minute. We'll take a look at the uh, the Natty for this evening. Uh, TCU Horn Frogs versus the Georgia Bulldogs. About an hour away till that game kicks off. Uh, that's coming up in just a little bit. But the NFL season, it's a wrap. Detroit Lions pulling off a big upset late last night, pushing the uh, Seattle Seahawks into the playoffs. So the Seahawks, 9-8 and eight on the year. Unequivocal success this year. You trade Russell Wilson, you get all those that draft capital, you, in, you have a fantastic draft class already. Like, the trade already is a win, and there's a whole other draft class still to come for the Seattle Seahawks. And then you throw in the fact that they make the playoffs. They have a winning season, but also make the playoffs for an opportunity to, uh, albeit, get stomped by the San Francisco 49ers. But that's a Saturday problem. We'll worry about that on uh, Friday, previewing the game. But already this year, this is house money for the Seattle Seahawks to be in this spot. And you go back, and I know some people were posting some things online yesterday of like, hey, you know, Pete Carroll and... A lot of people called them washed after the trade and said, hey, it's going to be over. If you're making this type of trade, you may as well move on from the coach and the general manager. And, you know, the thing I said back then was they're doubling down on philosophy. They're doubling down on themselves, and this is an opportunity for them to try to get a rebuild. And I would say mostly they've earned that opportunity to do so. And they're doubling down on who they are, their philosophy. And Pete echoed it, and you've heard it thousands of times. It's almost become a meme at this stage. 
their always compete philosophy. And here they go. 18 weeks later, they find themselves uh, back in the playoffs. And Pete Carroll uh, has never gone consecutive seasons without missing the playoffs now uh, as a head coach of the Seattle Seahawks. An impressive run by Seattle. And I, I know there's comments coming in that's like, hey, they needed Detroit to win in the last week. Look, when you're squeaking in the wild card, you need help throughout the course of the season. You're, like, you go 9-8, and eight, you're not guaranteed anything. You're going to need help along the way at some point. And the Seahawks certainly stubbed their toe number of times. The Raiders game, the Panthers game, they could have handled this themselves. They don't, and it comes down to the final game of the season, and the Detroit Lions punch their ticket. Uh, and this one comes in. Geno's wallet got a lot heavier after yesterday, too. And, yeah, he made some mistakes, but gets the dub. Clutches up late in the game. That's the massive thing. Will the Seahawks right back? They're certainly going to have to now. Uh, uh, again, we'll uh, we'll preview more of that game moving forward. But uh, Geno Smith got paid last night. Also, they make the playoffs, so he gets a, a bonus from that. So that's also why his uh, wallet gets a little bit heavier. But that last you know twenty minutes of that game, overtime included. What would be the difference if they lose that game? And they don't go against that Rams team. How how much does that impact Geno's offseason? Did did last night add an extra five million to his price? Ten million to his price? Getting a playoff opportunity here, and if they somehow pull off a W, how much more does that add to Geno's price? Uh, he's had a fantastic season, obviously. But the Seahawks proved their philosophy was going to win out. They chose philosophy over Russell Wilson's talent, and they win out. That trade transaction's already done. Russell Wilson actually improved the last couple of weeks after Nathaniel Hackett uh, was removed. And honestly, Russell Wilson will probably be fine next year. Absolutely. He will probably be fine. You'll see a more restored version of Russ. It might not be top five in the league. It might not be even top eight in the league. But you'll probably see a more balanced version of Russell Wilson next year. Get that offense right. And, and start to build more around Russell Wilson. He was never as bad as he was this year. He's probably never going to be as good as he was, but there is a middle ground with Russell Wilson. But no matter what, the Seahawks proving this year that their philosophy and overall process will win out over individual talent. And that was the punctuation mark on a fantastic season, fantastic year. You can throw in the offseason for the Seahawks. Fantastic year for the Seahawks last night. Uh, winning that game, and also with Detroit uh, picking up their win over the Green Bay Packers. And it led to a rather ominous ending in that game. As you saw, if you're watching Packers and Lions, Aaron Rodgers, first of all, gets outplayed. Jared Goff wasn't spectacular, but Jared Goff had two solid drives. And that's what, that's all that was required yesterday for the Detroit Lions. Don't make mistakes and just come up with two solid drives. And he has the big pass downfield to Khalif Raymond, setting up a short touchdown, and then just got it done later on with another long drive with what the Lions can do, and we talked about it on Friday. They can pummel you. And as that game progressed, they got a few deeper drives, 70-yard field goal drive at the end of the half, Obviously, the big touchdown play, and then the touchdown when you need it, 13 plays, 75 yards, 
eight minutes off the clock, putting Aaron Rodgers in a heap of pressure. And and even the final drive, you got to close out the game. They managed to do that. So it's like two and a half massive drives for Jared Goff. And, and the Lions even got frisky late in that game as well, trying to uh, do some laterals on second down. If you're a Seahawks fan, just don't fumble it. But sure enough, they managed to uh, pull out that victory. But Aaron Rodgers, late in that game, outplayed by Jared Goff. In Green Bay, no less. Not on the road in an unfriendly environment. This is where Aaron Rodgers has been playing for over a decade. At Lambeau. This is your home where you can dictate the tempo. You can set the tone for the game. And Aaron Rodgers in the fourth quarter was not very good. And it led to the end of game where, to be honest, he looked really contemplative really fast. You go from competing for a playoff spot, R-E-L-A-X, that guy, and just flipped it and looked like, yeah, I'm good with my time here in Green Bay. And honestly, it's the thing that we constantly talk about Aaron Rodgers. Unbelievable talent. One of the top three, two talents at quarterback we've seen in the past 40 years. It's unimaginable what he can do with the football at times. And yet, there's an element here where you do have to manage Aaron Rodgers sometime. You have to solve the problem of working with Aaron Rodgers. Sometimes he's in it for himself. And that's okay because you can still win a lot of games. But in a moment when you needed him to be about Green Bay yesterday, man, was he switched on real fast about, oh, I'm going to take this in. I'm going to make sure I hang onto this jersey, hug some friends. He went from, I got to compete for a playoff spot to, I wonder what my next destination is, really fast. And that also just makes me wonder, hey, what was the mindset going into this game? How aware were you that this could end badly for you and you're already on to the next spot? Is it Las Vegas? Is it the New York Jets? Whatever your next stop is, how aware were you of what can happen this offseason? Were you focused on Sunday or were you focused on what the offseason is going to look like? And as soon as that game ended, didn't look like a guy who was too upset that his team was not going to the second season. Very, very aware of his surroundings. And it just puts a mark on him. For Aaron Rodgers. I think there's a lot of Green Bay fans that would say, you know what, kind of done with this. Absolutely a fantastic player, but kind of done with this. Uh, 650-650, that's because Rodgers is the most overhyped, overrated QB of all time. I don't know about that. Multiple MVP wins. Uh, And and even last year when people have tried to write him off, kind of like Geno Smith, on so many different occasions, Aaron Rodgers has backed it up. Like he's picked up four All Pros. He's picked up four MVPs. He's been a Super Bowl MVP. Uh, I don't know what overrated uh, as far as talent goes. Fantastic. In big moments, has he always been there? That's fair to question. Uh, Kyle and his fan. Maybe Rogers will go to Tampa Bay. Well, if they uh, if they lose Tom Brady, which uh, all signs kind of pointing to Tom Brady. Uh, leaving Tampa Bay. Is that another destination? I know Dom is already uh, starry-eyed for 1-2 uh, to end up uh, in the Meadowlands. Wouldn't that be a dream? 
throwing uh, tutties to Garrett Wilson. Absolutely. Well, you, we, you know, we talked about this, what, like a month ago? That there's some crossover there because obviously Lafleur's is coach now. Mike Lafleur's the uh, offensive coordinator there for now. For now, are, are you hoping for a, a change there? I would. Are you kidding? They, we discussed it then. Instant Super Bowl contender with Aaron Rodgers. No, no, no. Uh, the second uh, he, he would enter with the coach is 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 that what you're hoping for a change? Sure. I mean, when you lose six straight and you can't put up touchdowns, it's rough. That's that's where your mind goes. The, the funny defense thing, isn't a problem. Well, we'll see if they can retain people. Quinn and Williams already talking about like, hey, I'm not uh, coming, ba- coming back for any less. Yeah, he's he's also very aware of how much pay he can your make stars uh, of how much he can make in this offseason. Yeah, pay your stars. Uh, this one, uh, Glenn and Richmond. Rogers has always been a jerk. It's just his talent no longer shrouds this. He's going to Vegas to join Devonte nah, Adams. Nah. Well, the market uh, again. Like, here's the thing: how many QBs are on the market? I'm not. I'm not talking the Carson Wentz realm here like how many real qbs are on the market that you would say hey if this guy hits the trade block that teams are going to start moving heaven and earth for we know about Derek carr and i think Derek carr is going to have some value uh and and obviously they're a motivated seller as well but across the league lamar jackson he's gonna get franchise tag like worst case scenario he gets franchise tagged and he stays in baltimore but Aaron Rodgers, Derek Carr, Ryan Tannehill, and look, different class, but still Ryan Tannehill's had very successful seasons. He was a one seed last year. Geno Smith is on this market all of a sudden. Tom Brady? Tom Brady. Throw that name in there. And Tom, like, still looks fine. That's the crazy thing. Like, we all got to get on TV 12 method. Tom Brady setting the record for most completions. And, and it just doesn't look like there's physical decline. We can talk about the over the, the overall schematic issues. And yeah, is he always going to sling it downfield? No. But he seems like he's doing more than enough to be able to uh, sustain playing 18 weeks. And we'll see what he can do in the playoffs as well. Kind of a favorable matchup for them, I would say, going against the Dallas Cowboys. But could he be a Las Vegas destination, reuniting with uh, Josh McDaniel? But about five teams. And you can also throw the Chicago Bears in the mix here because... They get first overall pick. They have their quarterback, though, and that's the interesting thing here is you could make a case that they should still draft quarterback. Now, this is a kind of a video game move here, like the Madden thing of, hey, Justin Fields is probably worth more than the first overall pick, but we're building this out. We can get more for Justin Fields than we would the first overall pick. But, man, they stumbled into gold yesterday. All because an Indianapolis Colt couldn't get an interception on 4th and 20. Which, like, why are you going for the pick at the end of the game? It's 4th and 20. All you got to do is knock it down. I'm a little sour because it ruined Big 6 as well. Or at least the pick in Big 6. Just knock the ball down. That's all you got to do. I think his name was was, uh, Rodney Thomas, who's had a good season. But just knock the ball down. Texans don't win that game. Texans retain the first overall pick. Lovey Smith gets a W on the way out the door. But. Who's going to be the most motivated buyer when it comes to the quarterback at the, the the quarterback market this year? Obviously, the Jets are going to be in there. I still feel like the Raiders aren't going to want to sit back. They're moving off from Derek Carr, but are they moving off of Derek Carr because they got another veteran in line, like a Tom Brady, or is this a long term build for the 
Las Vegas Raiders. Tennessee Titans, they have a decent draft pick now, not making the playoffs, but you look at where they are at. That's a team that you know also fits that always compete mentality. They had a fantastic year. Honestly, I would say they're more hard pressed than uh, what their season uh, reflected. You end up seven and ten. You say, hey, you're not a good team, but man, injuries completely derailed what that team is. They made a lot of changes today as well uh, with a lot of uh, coaching staff. But Mike Vrabel stays on, but their head, uh, their their offensive coordinator Todd Downing's out the window. But they they end the season with seven losses. They're a strong team. They'll figure that out. Do they get a veteran quarterback that maybe fits a better mold than Ryan Tannehill? Are they going to be in the market for, say, a Derek Carr and Aaron Rodgers? Who are the motivated buyers? And if you're a team right now, if you're a fan of a team, do you do you want your team to go out and get a quarterback, a veteran quarterback, or find it in the draft? 650-650, a lot of reaction coming in before we get to uh, the people's picks. Uh, Rodgers should pull a farve and go to uh, mini... Uh, as well. Just keep following the... Uh, hey, hey, where did Favre go before Mini, though? Yeah, he went to the Jets. He went to the Jets. There you go. Had to go to Mini uh, by way of New York. Uh, and this one, uh, ironic that another ex-Packers ends up uh, with the Jets. But Seahawks fans, your entrance to the playoffs gives the 49ers into the division round. Gives a bye uh, into the division round. That one's from Rafe. Uh, yeah, it's going to be a fun week. 49ers and uh, Seahawks. We forgot one more, by the way. One more quarterback, I think. Jimmy Who's? G. Jimmy G, absolutely. Yeah, I forgot a name. I knew I was forgetting somebody. Uh, it's easy to forget Jimmy G at times. At times. Uh, at times. Uh, you know, the 49ers got an issue, too. If Brock Purdy wins a couple of games, and Rafe texts back in, you're clearly a 49ers fan. If Brock Purdy wins two playoff games, do you want to see Brock Purdy start next year or Trey Lance? And Brock Purdy, since entering, is leading a bunch of QB categories. The only thing he's not is passing yards per game. Uh, but it's because he's very efficient. But as far as like quarterback rating, touchdowns per game, all that, uh, Brock Purdy's leading the way since coming to the fold. If they win two playoff games, what are you supposed to do? Start the third overall guy that you traded up for, or go with the guy who's actually winning you ball games? Well, that's it. You you spent a huge amount of draft capital, multiple firsts yeah. to move up, and now you're just going to sit the guy. It doesn't it doesn't make sense? Man, the goal is to win ball games. I understand that. Brock Purdy's winning ball games. Text in if you're a 49ers fan. What do you want to see? Uh, 650, 650. All right, we've got to wrap up the show here. Uh, before we're out, uh, it's time for the People's Picks. Brought to you by Play Now Sports. Get a $5 free bet when you make a $25 same-game parlay wager on NFL games. Conditions apply. Must be 19+. plus. We're looking at the Natty. Again, it kicks off in about 40 minutes. Uh, national championship game in college football. TCU playing Georgia. This is a big step up in competition. TCU's been phenomenal, obviously, this year. It's an SEC game. SEC team. I I just wonder if this resembles like when Notre Dame went up against Alabama. You can have a fantastic year, and then you go up against a big dog, and that, that SEC re-recruiting comes to show up and the trenches just get moved in the wrong direction. And the Bulldogs' offensive line just starts mowing down. It just starts resetting the line of scrimmage and constantly just has success. It's a big line, 13-and-a-half. Georgia Bulldogs are favored. I'm going to shade towards the Georgia Bulldogs here in this spot. The other thing I'm looking at is QB interceptions. Max Duggan's had an awesome year. 
but I am going to look towards uh, two interceptions. I know it's a rough one, but it's paying out at 2.9. Going up, going up against this SEC defense, Georgia we saw last year, they were the best defense in the nation. How many guys were drafted from that defense? I look at this spot, two picks for Max Duggan is paying out at 2.9. Uh, that's what we're taking a look at uh, for the people's picks. Brought to you by Play Now Sports. When you choose to bet on sports at playnow.com, you're playing on the only sites, only site whose profits go back to BC. Know your limit. Play within it. Uh, should be a lot of eyes on that game. Light uh, schedule in the NHL as well. Uh, Philly and Buffalo getting uh, set to go underway. Uh, Nashville, Ottawa, Seattle and Montreal, and Edmonton and the Kings. Only four games on the NHL menu, so the Natty might uh, draw some eyes this evening. And if you got something on the game, again, playnow.com. Dan Riccio, Satyar Shaw, getting set to uh, take over. Uh, jump back in, 650, 650. Uh, yeah, see? Uh, we want Purdy. Regards. Heater texting in. I think more people uh, would rather see Brock Purdy uh, coming in. Uh, this one, uh, how much of the NCAA football do you watch? Uh, playoff system just turns me off. That's from Marcus and Gibsons. Uh, I usually spend all my time watching NCAA in the offseason, uh, getting ready for prospects and all that sort of stuff. Uh, Saturdays, it's hockey night. I uh, can't spend all Saturday, uh, all day Saturday watching college football. Just do not have enough time here. Uh, and this one, Benny Blanco from the Mocs, uh, dedicated Niners fans here. How could you not keep rolling with Brock Purdy? He's been solid. Uh, yeah, uh, it just feels like that's the way this is going to go. Brock Purdy gets a playoff win. And, and with the way that defense is playing, do they get a couple, find themselves in the Super Bowl, and it's a tough reality to try to go back to Trey Lance at that spot. Uh, good stuff coming into the inbox. Uh, all the uh, good shout-outs coming in. We will pass it over to Dan Riccio and Satyar Shaw with Canuck Central. On the way, Frank Saravelli will join him. Don Taylor will join him as well. All coming up here on the home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650.